Well, good morning again. Good, man, good morning back there in the very back. Can y'all see me okay this morning? Yes? Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, some of the greatest commercials on TV today um, seem to be insurance commercials, okay? I want you to um, fill in the blank here, okay? Finish these taglines. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're in good hands with get blank to be better protected from mayhem. Allstate. You could save hundreds on car insurance. What was that in the back? No. Progressive. It's close, though. Close. Only pay for what you need. Liberty Mutual. And I love the Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning commercials, but it's blank is on your side. Nationwide is on your side. Now, what is the purpose of insurance? It's to protect us during times of need, right? We all have it, and we all can't live without it. But you know what else we can't live without? Assurance. This morning, we are continuing our Jesus is Better sermon series. And what we're going to see once again this morning is that Jesus is far, far better than the old sacrificial system. This morning, our title is Blessed Assurance. What you and I need more of is not insurance, but assurance. If you think back to um, what we've looked at over the many weeks that we've been in the book of Hebrews, one of the things that we've been talking about week in and week out is that there were a group of people within this church, okay, that, that they were contemplating leaving Jesus. Some may have made a profession of faith. Others of them were kind of just um, trying to see if Jesus was indeed better. They were contemplating, though, and wrestling, um, is Jesus worth it, um, or should I return back to what I've always known? And that was the Jewish sacrificial system. When you think about it, the old Levitical system, what that did is it provided insurance for all of these people. That, it's what they knew. It's what they were comfortable with. But with Jesus, we, we, we get blessed assurance, don't we? The Jews, they were being offered Jesus and the assurance of eternal life, but they still wanted the insurance that came with that old sacrificial system. Our message point this morning is this. Jesus is a better hope. Under the old system, one would hope that they were good enough. But with Jesus, a person can know without a shadow of a doubt that they have been made good enough. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that you are good enough? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you are by far good enough because Jesus has made you good enough. Two weeks ago, we began walking through Hebrews chapter 7. And in the first 10 verses of this chapter, um, it was established that Jesus' priesthood was after the order of Melchizedek and not after the order of Levi. Now, Melchizedek was truly a man of mystery, wasn't he? There are only two instances in all of the Old Testament in which this man is mentioned. One of those times is a personal encounter that Abraham had with Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. The other is a prophetic word given by the psalmist in Psalm 110. The encounter between Abraham and him occurred following the abduction of his nephew Lot. 
by some ruthless kings. Abraham would take 318 men from his household and go to battle against those men. And we know that he was victorious. He not only um, was able to rescue Lot, but he was also able to take spoils from those kings as well. We don't know much about this battle beyond that. It would be after this battle that Abraham would, would be met by Melchizedek. Melchizedek whose name means king of righteousness, was a king from the city of Jerusalem, which is the city of peace. So Melchizedek was a righteous king and a peaceful king, probably the best king that Jerusalem ever had. Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek, and Abraham in return paid tithes to him from the spoils that he took from those kings. That was the only physical encounter in all of Scripture that somebody had with Melchizedek. This man of mystery would disappear for hundreds of years. And then the psalmist would write about him in the 110 chapter of Psalms. In Psalm 110.4, we read, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He would disappear again for hundreds of years. And then he would be introduced, reintroduced to the people in Hebrews chapter 5. Here he reminds his readers that Jesus had to replace the old Levitical priesthood. You've heard the saying, out with the old and in with the new. Well, our first subpoint this morning is that, out with the old. When is there a need to get rid of something that is old? When it's broken, right? When you have clothes that have tears in them or stains all over them. When your car stops running, oftentimes that's a good time to, to upgrade at that point. Um, you know, the thing about insurance is insurance, it's good, right? But sometimes insurance lets us down as well, right? How many of you have ever had insurance let you down? Probably all of us in some way or another, at some point along the road, we've been denied a surgery, denied a service, denied a doctor, maybe even denied a claim. You know, there's been many times over my adult life that I've gone down to places like New Orleans or Houston to do some, um, some work following a hurricane. And, and so many of the homes and people that we come across, they had insurance, but they didn't have um, flood insurance that comes with a catastrophic event like a hurricane or a storm surge. If it was just wind damage, they're covered. But because it was water damage from the storm, they were denied coverage. And so that, that, that's time in, in those instances where, where you got to get rid of the old and get with the new. Here's the deal. The old priesthood did not work. The Levitical priesthood, simply put, it did not work. That is why there was a need for a, a new one. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 7. Okay, we're going to begin reading in verse 11, and we're just going to walk through this passage together with each one of our points and each one of our subpoints. But in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning of verse 11, we read this, these words. Now, perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? If the old priesthood had worked from which the law came, there would be no need for a new law, right? But, but it didn't work. 
Their insurance plan that they had in place, it did not work because the priest did not work. Not only did the priesthood not work, but the writer of Hebrews also makes it clear that the old law was flawed. It had to be replaced. In verse 12 we read, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as as well. Well, think about the law. The law was established hundreds of years um, before Jesus came. The law was what the people knew. The law was all they knew. And here they're being told that, that when there is a change in priesthood, that means there also has to be a change in the law. Why is that true? Because the Levitical law made it very, very clear that, that a priest had to come from the line of Levi, had to be a descendant of Aaron. Who did Jesus, what line did Jesus come from? He came from the line of Judah. And because he wasn't a Levite, that means that th- there had to be a new law established. Notice what we read here in verses 13 through 16. For the one of whom these sayings are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with the tribe of Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not only on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. He was appointed priest by God the Father. He didn't appoint himself priest. We looked at that several weeks ago. In Hebrews 5, 5 through 6, we read, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here's what always puzzles me. The Jews knew for hundreds of years that another priesthood would be established when the Messiah came. It would be after the, the, after the order of Melchizedek. How is it that they allowed themselves to be so blinded to the truth? Think about your own life. How many times do you read God's Word, study God's Word, hear God speak to you, the Holy Spirit reveal truth to you, then you just kind of turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to His words? You know, I know it happens to me all too often. And, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, it probably happens to each and every one of us in this room. We know the truth. We read the truth. We know that there's power in the Word of God. But so often, what do we do? We retreat back from that power that we know is in God's Word to what we know and have always known, the comfort that comes with, with the law, the comfort that comes with um, what we've always done. In Hebrews seven seventeen. The, the writer says, um, quoting from um, Psalm 110, for it is written of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God's word is full of promises, isn't it? God's word is full of truths. You and I need to stop living independent from God's word and start, start depending on it and believing it and claiming it. Notice why Jesus had to establish a new order. It's because the old law was flawed. In verses 18 and the first part of 19, we read, For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. 
we are told in these two verses that the old law was flawed. It was weak. It made nothing perfect. What was God's standard for the Hebrews? Perfection, right? God didn't just want perfection. He demanded perfection and holiness from his people. Be holy as I am holy is what he instructed them. They were flawed. They were broken. You know, um, the law is very much like a mirror, okay? You know what a mirror does? It reveals our imperfections, right? When I look into this mirror, I realize a couple things. Number one, I left my toupee at home, okay? Um, I realize that I probably could shed about 50 pounds. Um, This law or this mirror reveals that I'm not perfect, um, I'm, I'm blind without my, my glasses. I've got some blemishes on my face. Um, this law, or this, this mirror just shows me all of my flaws. You look in the mirror at your home, and I know all of you are pretty people, and you probably don't look at, in the mirror and see your flaws like I do, okay? But when we think about the law, when we think about the Old Testament law, What the law did time and time again is it revealed to an individual just how imperfect they were. In Romans 3.20 we read, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. What the law did is revealed to the people of God that they were sinners. The law made nothing perfect. It revealed just how imperfect and blemished they were. That is why it was necessary for the old to go away and the new to come. That's our second point. It end with the new. You know what God did? He replaced that which was broken with that which works. Notice next, a new hope provides a better access. In verse 19, we read, For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. New is not always better, but when it comes to Jesus, we can be certain that Jesus is better, right? Through Jesus, we have direct access to God the Father. We have direct access to the throne room of God. No longer do we need a mortal man to represent us before God because Jesus today represents us, doesn't he? And with Jesus, there is a new oath that gives assurance. In verses 20 and 21, we read, Then it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. A Levitical priest became a priest by appointment, right? They were qualified to be a priest based upon their lineage. Their appointment was limited also by the number of days they lived, and their tribal appointment was limited as well. The psalmist made that clear when he said that Jesus would come from the order of Melchizedek and not Levi. The psalmist was prophesizing what the Levit- that the Levitical priesthood would one day end, and it did end, didn't it? Next, we see that Jesus provides a new covenant that will stand forever. 
In verse 22, we read, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. You know, there's two important words in this passage of Scripture here, guarantor and covenant. You know what a guarantor does? A guarantor is someone that guarantees they will step up in time of need. If you remember back, some of you may not remember this, but about um, seven or so years ago, when we um, were in the process of purchasing this building, um, we had to come up with $1.8 million. And we didn't have a whole lot of footing, um, financial footing to stand upon. And so we went to bank after bank after bank after bank. And, and, and Bill and I had the, the door closed in our face, face more times than we can count. Bank after bank told us no. They would love to give us a loan, but they couldn't give us a loan is what they told us. But there was one bank that gave us a loan. Um, it was First United Bank. And, and there was a stipulation that came with that loan. It was this. We had to have guarantors that would sign on the dotted line, and those guarantors were responsible if the church ever defaulted on our loan. Jesus is our guarantor. Just like those men and that lady signed with ink on a dotted line, you know what Jesus has done for us? With his blood, he signed upon our hearts. He signed our name in the Lamb's book of life, guaranteeing that we are his at the moment of our salvation. Jesus is a better guarantor. In the old system, a person would hope that they were made good enough. But if you have faith in Jesus and you've repented of your sins, you have been made good enough. Jesus is also a better covenant. Jesus came to establish a new covenant between God and man. The old covenant was written in stone, but the new covenant, as we're told in Scripture, is written upon our heart. The new covenant means we can go directly to God. We don't need a man to represent us. And with this new covenant, we know that there is forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus. Under the new covenant, you and I no longer are bound by the law because we have been saved by God's glorious grace. Notice our final point this morning. It's the superiority of Jesus. Why is Jesus a better priest? First, his priesthood is eternal. In verse 23, we read, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. An old priest was a tenured priest, right? Their priesthood was limited by the number of their days. Here's what is guaranteed of all of us in this room. Every single one of us in this room will experience physical death unless Jesus Christ returns for us before we see physical death. Every priest saw death, and every priest had a successor that would follow after them. It was an endless cycle, but with Jesus comes the establishment of an eternal priesthood. He is our priest. He is forever our priest, and he represents us forever before the Father. Next, we see his saving work. In verse 25, we read these words, consequently, 
He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You remember what the angel told Joseph in Matthew 121? The angel told Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What great verses these are. You see what truly separates Jesus as our high priest from a Levitical priest? In Jesus, our salvation is eternally secure. We are saved for, for, forever. It is the assurance that we need. In this passage, we are promised that salvation comes to those who draw near to God. You and I have direct access to God. We can draw near to the one who dwells within us. Do you remember who had direct access, or who, who had direct access to God in the Old Testament? It was only one man once a day, and that was the Day of Atonement. It was on that day that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and represent man before God. That all changed, though, the moment that Jesus took his final breath on the cross. In that moment, that veil to the temple was ripped in half. And that gave you and I, when we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, direct access to God the Father. We can draw near to him. And we are also told in this passage of Scripture that Jesus intercedes for us. Folks, Jesus is praying for us. You know that this morning? He sits at the right hand of God the Father this very morning, and he makes intercession for us. I love what Romans 8, 33 through 35 says. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? Now, one commentator reminds us that Christ never sleeps. He never gets tired. He never retires. His ministry is an unbroken stream, powerful and effective, making intercession on our behalf. Jesus intercedes for us, folks. He fights for us. He prays for us. He encourages us. And he, 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 he unleashes his angels to protect us as well. Notice next, notice Jesus' perfect character. You wonder what qualifies Jesus to be the high priest? This verse right here makes it abundantly clear. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. There is no flaw, nor has there ever been a flaw with Jesus. He is perfect and was perfect, and will always be perfect, right? In fact, the writer here shares with us that he is holy. He is holy, was holy, and will always be holy. While he dwelt among us, we are told that he was innocent. He never did anything wrong. He was unstained. Never did sin taint him like it has us. He was separated. You know, the thing about Jesus, Jesus was in a league of his own, wasn't he? He was holy, he was perfect, and he was set apart. And he today 
has been exalted to the very place from which he descended at the right hand of the throne of God. And here and there, he is praying for us, encouraging us, guiding us, leading us, comforting us, and assuring us of a better day to come. You know that, right? There are better days that are coming for us. Okay, it may not be here on, 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 on this earth, but there are better days to come. When we take our final breath here on earth, we shall dwell in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ forever. In closing this morning, we see Jesus and his, his completed work. In verse 27, we read, He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. We see in the closing verses that Jesus is a better sacrifice. You remember what the high priest had to do on the Day of Atonement? He had to offer up two sacrifices and, uh, and, and sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat twice inside the Holy of Holies. The first sacrifice was, was, was a sacrifice in which the high priest um, offered up to God on behalf of his own sins and the sins of his household. The second sacrifice and the second sprinkling of blood, that was for the sins of, of, of all of, of, of the Hebrews. That one was. There was two sacrifices. That shows us that the high priest was imperfect, right? But Jesus is perfect. Jesus became our sin sacrifice. He died in our place, didn't he? All of us in this room deserve to die because of our sin. But Jesus took our place upon Calvary's cross and died for us. Jesus is also a better appointment. In verse 28, we read, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. Under the law, sinful men were appointed to represent sinful people. But with Jesus, we find perfection. He is perfect. He was sinless and became our sacrificial lamb, didn't he? Providing for us direct access to God the Father. To those who repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you have the blessed assurance of knowing that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, there is a difference between insurance and assurance, right? Insurance you pay for. Assurance is paid on your behalf, right? You and I write a, write a check probably every single month or have um, funds drafted from our account to cover our insurance. But assurance is knowing that the debt has already been paid on our behalf. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned from your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? If you haven't, what is keeping you this morning from doing that? Notice what, what we read in Scripture. In Luke 9, 23, we read, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and die daily and follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus? 
Have you denied yourself so that you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I love what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. Have you experienced the new life that comes with Christ? If not, what is keeping you from doing that this morning? Know that Jesus is a better priest. His priesthood is eternal. As our priest, he gives us direct access to God the Father. And as our king, Jesus reigns as our Lord. Do you have insurance or do you have blessed assurance this morning? Because Jesus truly is, does provide a better better assurance, doesn't he? Let's stand together. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray and I want to invite you this morning to, to come. If the Lord is leading you to make friendship your church home, you come as well. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word this morning, Lord. Father, I know that this is one of those messages, Father, that, um, that, that sometimes we ask ourselves, why does this matter? Because we aren't Levites. We don't rely upon the old law anymore because we have a new law with you. What this reminds us is, Jesus, you are better. What this reminds us of, Lord, is when we have encounters with lost people, we can point them to a better way, and that is you, Jesus Christ, who, who made it abundantly clear that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through you. Father, use us as your church. Use us as your tool. Use us as your instrument to help point other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning, if someone doesn't know you, that they will come and place their faith and trust in you. If there's someone here this morning, Lord, that you're leading to make friendship their church home, I pray that they'll do that as well. Lord, move now during our time of invitation. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.